Welcome to the Art of the Dive, third episode of the season, the strategy pod. We're going to talk about a lot of big picture strategy this week. Jake just got another massage, so he can't drink beer. That's apparently a thing by him. Jake, how are you, buddy? Good. You know, feel relaxed, ready. What kind of massage did you get tonight? Big guy, huh? Uh, The typical, I don't know. Is that what you call it? You call it a little typical action? Yeah, definitely. A um, little tip? little tip action? N- nope. No, little just tippy-tippy, you call it? Just a typical massage, you know, trying to get me, okay. you know, feeling better, feeling more relaxed. Okay. So. Good. Good job by you. Yeah, you're relaxed, aren't you? Yep, I'm relaxed. I'm ready. I'm getting excited for uh, FPL. It seems like a long way away, but, you know, each week it's getting closer. What is it? What is it now? Is it like two weeks? Yeah, I guess roughly two weeks. Yeah. So, kind of cool, actually. You and I are going to be together for the first uh, first match of the year. Oh, yeah, did you, you're right. Did you yeah, know yeah. that? Did you realize that I'm going to be a, there? Is like, it a Thursday game or... It's a Friday match. It's a Friday match. So we'll have to get together. We'll be in. We'll be on the West Coast like that day. Yeah, I wonder if our flights are gonna be around that time though, because it's got to be a late night match. I don't know. We'll no, it's a, fri- it's a it. Friday match, Jake. Yeah, but aren't we aren't we leaving that day? No, Jake. We fly in on. It's Thursday. We fly. Oh my God! You don't know anything. You don't know anything. Okay. All it's right. so bad. Uh, well, we're gonna be I together. Think, It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm right, but whatever. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, you're wrong. You are. You're always wrong. Uh, But I guess that brings up kind of a good topic, and we can get right into FPL right away. I mean, we've got two weeks here now. There's been a lot of preseason and a lot of stuff that's happened. We've recorded a couple pods, but when do you start, like, legitimately considering your team? Actually, like, putting the pieces together and saying, okay, this is what I'm sticking with. This is the team that I'm going to roll with. Last year, I literally changed my team up until, you know, game one, um, which is probably going to be the the same this year. I don't see why you wouldn't wait. You get more information the longer you wait. I've put together a couple teams. Um, We'll get into it a little bit more down the road. But in general, just like an over, like a broad overstatement, one of the teams has one premium. The other team has two premiums. We're going to discuss it later in this pod um, anyways. But yeah, there's guys that aren't going to come out of my team, like barring like massive injuries. But the like the last four or five guys, I'll probably switch up multiple times just based on news. Yeah, for me, it's it's really the last two weeks. So now we're kind of into crunch time. We're like, I'm starting to put together what I think is going to be a team that might look similar to my my game week one team of course like like what you said i've got players that i'm uh, i'm set on like i really want these guys in my squad uh but also i'm quite flexible around the fringes of my team um for me i try to like with one week to go i try to have a team in place that i'm relatively confident i mean barring like injury right like barring injury or some sort of special news comes out i try to have a team in place and then normally there's only like two or three spots that i'm waiting on some sort of information to kind of switch those teams up but i don't know i mean you can go tinker mad right like where you're just constantly switching guys in and out i don't necessarily know like how effective that is i know we're all trying to find the right piece of the puzzle to to make this work but um 
I was talking with a couple people online about how it's almost, I don't know if this is bad or not. Like it can almost be a problem, like looking at other people's teams because you look at a team and you think, oh, wow, how did they do that? And then you try to kind of copy it or figure it out. And then you see another team and you're like, oh, I want that guy. And then you try to copy it. And suddenly you just kind of get into this rabbit hole where you're never really settling into a team that you like. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a big no-no personally. I think you got to stay away from that. And I think you got to be, you got to take breaks. You can tinker for a while, but if you're just tinkering every day, you're not going to like remember what team you even started with in the first place. And I would say for the majority of us who have done this before, your first thoughts were probably good. You might read something here and there that changes like a couple players, which is why again, like that last week, I don't make major overhauls to my team, but have I made changes? Sure. Uh, like I think last year, for example, I wasn't going to start with Mane and Sala, but I ended up doing it and it worked out well. Um, but overall, I, I don't want to change like everything on my team the last couple of days. Who suggested that you should start with Mane and Sala? Uh, I th- you know, I think something I read online. Whatever. It was probably me. Idiot. I don't know. I feel like I suggested it in all yeah, honesty. Yeah, no, you didn't. You didn't. You did. There's okay. no way you would suggest that. Okay. I guess I'm wrong. You're always wrong. Why don't you just always go get wrong. another little tip-tip massage, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. You're gross. <laughs> I'll, I'll okay. see you later. Signing off. Okay. <laughs> Bye. I'll just handle the rest of the podcast. Um, okay, so... This is going to be a pretty heavy pod, Jake. I mean, we're doing the strategy pod, and before we started the podcast, we kind of looked at some of the big topics, and both Jake and I were like, whoa, there's a lot of stuff to cover today. So we're going to kind of get into it. We're going to smash through some business here and then dive right in. Uh, hopefully, we can cover kind of you know, the big picture strategy topics that people are are kind of thinking about. and. You know, this pod, and we always, we often say this, right? We're not trying to like tell you how to play the game. That's not the point. The idea of our podcast is to give you insight into some of the different strategies and then allow you to kind of take the pieces that you identify with or the pieces that you think are important and and apply them to your own game. So we often suggest like a variety of different strategies or a variety of different viewpoints. And then Jake and I will sometimes apply our own. Um, Sometimes we catch a little flack for that where people will say like, well, you talked on the pod about a specific strategy, but then you didn't actually do it with your team. Well, yeah, we we try to present a number of different strategies. I, don't you agree, Jake? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that's the better way to approach it. But who knows? I mean, maybe this year my strategy is just going to be right off the bat and I'm just going to stick to it. Let's not. Let's just not do that, you know, because... <laughs> After I just said all that, you're kind of going against the grain here on what I just said, and it's kind of frustrating, you know? Yeah, yeah. sorry. I, I didn't mean to frustrate you this early into the pot. Yeah, because then, you know, I, I, I've i been drinking, Jake. You know, I've had a beer, and I've actually got some bourbon poured, too, for tonight. Mm, yeah, that could make you angry. Definitely don't want to yeah, do that. Can't wait. I got to get that in by the halfway point, so the second half of the pot has some anger in it. Should yeah. be good. Uh, okay, League Dive Leaderboard. Uh, we don't have a leaderboard because the league hasn't started yet, but we have a lot of people that have joined. We're up over 400, Jake. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's H- nervous, H- though. I mean, it's going to be hard for us to, to win, but... Jake, yeah. it's fucking like coming home. It's coming home this year. Yeah, yeah. Matt Frisky, I'm just going to... I'm going to boot him out of the league this year so he can't 
participate. I don't want him in the league. Yeah, He's just su- some, somehow like suspend him for like three weeks. So I don't know. His team forfeits a ton of points. Good idea. Uh, league code is HHJNO7. HHJNO7. We also have a zombie league that's uh, being run by Gaz, and, and that is uh, H4R6G8. H4R6G8. That's the zombie league. Um, and the rules for that, right? You can't change your team. You just got to set and forget a team. Remember, you can only technically, by FPL rules, have one squad. So we strongly suggest you putting in or having like a, a family member or somebody else enter that team. So anyways, uh, the final league that we have that we'll be talking about this year is the PSL Super League. This is a, a Patreon league. We've got, uh, I think, nine people in it now total with Jake and I. Um, so if you're interested in joining the league, you can support us on our, our Patreon. Uh, go to our website, patreon.com, or our Twitter page to support us. Uh, you get access to the Slack channel, a T-shirt, access to the league, uh, a diss on Jake. That should be hilarious at some point. Um, once the season starts, we'll be talking about some of the details of those disses because I'm hoping we can get, like, you know, one a week or something like that. It can be a, a segment of the pod. It should be really fun. Jake, are you looking forward to being um, having your feelings hurt on a weekly basis? Yeah, I'm used to it. My one question is, uh, are we grandfathered in? Like, do I get to diss myself or no? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point in your life, Jake, it's best that you just hurt your own feelings. You know, you're like the kid on the playground that everyone hates so much that he just starts to, you know, make fun of himself to yeah, try to like avoid it. Yeah, it's like a defensive it. mechanism. Right, yeah. right. You laugh mm-hmm. at the jokes that people make at you. It's, it's great. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> there yeah. it is. There it is. There it is. Okay, so uh, check that out. Check our Patreon out. We really appreciate the people that have started supporting us, and we'll do a, a review of all the folks that are supporting us uh, once Game Week 1 kind of starts here. So, so, Jake, a lot of heavy stuff to get in for the game week and um, and a lot of important things to cover. It's going to be, I mean, we really have so many write-ins. I, I couldn't believe how many people kind of wrote in for this podcast. And so we tried to get most of them in. I'm sorry if we missed you. Uh, but the first thing that I think is the most important order of business is, did you see this video of Kalasnak and Ozil and the guys with the knives trying to rob them? Did you see this? I did, I did watch it this morning. I was pretty entertained and also scared uh for for arsenal i was like that you know go figure they are gonna lose their uh left back before the season starts due to a knife to the kidney <laughs> it sounds like an arsenal a total like arsenal fan thing too right like ah, oh, we would have won the fucking league but instead our left back got stabbed by a guy in bosnia <laughs> yeah yeah is that where they were at i think so something i don't know where else would it, it be that you get i don't, I don't know, know. It's got to be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was that video real? Uh, sure looked real. It sure looked like uh, Kolasinac was going to try to kill someone. I, I don't, those guys didn't even try to knife him. They were so scared. I don't know. Yeah, the, he, I put him, basically, I put him straight into my FPL team, and he's going to stay there now. <laughs> the talk, So if you haven't seen the video, there's this video of, um, of Kolasinac, and he's like outside of Ozil's fancy Mercedes, and the, the rumor is that Ozil's in the vehicle with the two wives of the gentleman. And, like, Klasnak, like, kind of gestures for them to pull away. And there's these guys that pop out, like, with knives. And Klasnak's, like, out there, like, fighting these dudes with knives. 
while Ozil peels away. And there are all these jokes like about how Ozil never shows up and how Kalasnak is defending for the first time in his life, which were all hilarious. But um, I think we need to like establish this right now, Jake. Like if you and I are on the street, right, and our wives are there, right, and they're in the vehicle. I mean, I think if you're in the car and I'm out on the street, I would expect you to like drive away, like go, you know, let's get everyone out of there. And I will uh, suffer multiple knife wounds and die, you know? I was thinking what I would do is I would drive away, um, but then turn back around and come full speed at the attackers with the car. What if you hit me? (laughs) Because it's a risk we're going to have to take. (laughs) Fuck you, Jake. That doesn't solve any of the problems. Like either I'm dead (laughs) from knife wounds or I'm dead from you hitting me. Yeah, we can bring you back. I feel like knife wounds would be worse. Would they? What if they're clean, you know? Puncture wounds yeah, are fine. We can, know. you know. I don't know. I thought my idea, like, just, like, getting out of the car and having one of our wives drive the car made the most sense. But apparently our group of friends didn't think so. I don't know. I don't know that my wife would be good at driving, like, away from the scene of a crime. Although she does have a lead foot, so she'd probably be great. <laughs> yeah. she, just just take, let her she just takes out, like, one of the guys, like, just runs right. him right over. Right. All right, well, all right, we'll, we'll keep that in mind for the future. At least we've considered the scenario. I think that's important. Yeah, it is important. Okay, so let's get into this. Um, I tried to kind of, at the top half of the pod here, pick like what I would consider our big picture strategy questions that I think are driving or, or will drive a lot of the decisions that we make as FPL managers going into the start of the season. So this is going to be, like I said, kind of a heavy pod with a lot of um, a lot of discussion about strategy and structure and, and things like that. The second half of the pod, I kind of picked, there are a little bit more like, I would say, specific questions about how to address certain areas of the team, whether that's players or positions or whatever. So let's get started. Emma uh, wrote in, uh, any research on optimal time to wildcard from data on top 10K teams or other metrics? Um, Sean wrote in on Slack. He said, kind of on a similar note, how many weeks ahead should we set up our team for at the start of the season? I'd like to hold on to my wildcard until near Christmas if possible. And so the reason I put this first was because I think that this... This is kind of like the starting question for when you're building a team. Um, are you going to plan to wildcard early? Or are you going to plan a little bit of, of more of a long-term team and holding that wildcard? Now, some managers have shown that this kind of early wildcard technique can be used. its I'll be completely honest. I have never used it before. I have never built a team with in the back of my head, like, yeah, I'm wildcarding in game week blank, right? Like four or game week eight. I believe there's like an international break in both of those game weeks, uh, which a lot of managers are looking for or looking at as a wildcard option. Jake, have you ever tried either of, you know, or I tried this early wildcard strategy? Do you think there's any validity to it? I don't really know. I don't, I'm going to be honest. I don't know, but Every time I wildcard, things don't necessarily get a ton better, even if they do for like one or two game weeks. I just think like planning to do it is like putting in like planned transfers, which is okay to a point. But like the more you do it, the more dangerous it is. Um, I don't know. It's like playing with fireworks with your bare hands. Like, you know, at some point you're going to lose a finger. At some point Uh, your dick's going to get blown off. Yeah, you're going to lose the tip. (laughs) <laughs> um, 
So to me, it's <laughs> I I'm gonna hold. This is also a strange season. I I think I was looking at this, and other people have asked this question, but. So many teams have such a great run of fixtures for so yeah. long, and it's not like bottom table like teams or mid even mid table teams. It's like Everton, Man City, and Liverpool, who are like three of the top seven sides, have great fixtures for like the first like ten to fifteen game weeks. So to me, it's like it's perfect. You know, you you shouldn't be trying to plan to make a change to your team in four weeks uh, when you can make it make a change that late in the season. Yeah, you and I are are in full agreement that planned transfers aren't a great move. Um, we we don't think is a great strategy. I you know, in response to Emma's question, I don't have any metrics that say like this is the right move. And I think that a lot of managers play the game a little bit differently. The idea behind this would be you can you can plan for an early wild card and be very aggressive in terms of your picks, right? So you try to pick guys that just have the best fixtures. Maybe they're even kind of like, you know, punt players in a sense that you know, you're trying to go big early in the year. And if it doesn't work out, you can recover as the year goes on. Uh, I, I see the strategy behind it. I, I just don't have anything to back that up. And I've always played pretty conservatively, picking teams that... Like we talked about last week, kind of a, or two weeks ago, the, the five week kind of chunk rule. So I'm always looking at like five to seven weeks, like how guys fit into my squad. I'm going to continue to do that. And I don't think that that's something that I would would opt for, like the, the early wild card that is. Um, yeah. You have anything else to I, add? or? Yeah. The only thing I would like somebody to like put a, what one of these teams looks like this year. That's yeah. what I want to know. What is what is the what are your crazy thoughts or the t- the players that have like four good game weeks that you're shooting for? Because when I look at it, it's like it's like Liverpool have the best first four game weeks to me, and they're going to be on my my team the whole year. Those players most likely. So unless you're going like maybe Salah and Mane. Maybe like maybe maybe like I, I guess I just need to see what people are thinking. Um, and I think that does actually get us into another question later. But I'll just say, like, are you thinking like going more premiums too? like maybe not just Salamani, but like maybe Salah Sterling. But like you're not going to do that for the whole year. I mean, that's an option. I don't think it's crazy. Um, but then if it doesn't work out for you, you're already blowing your wild card. And then you have that long gap where you're going to have to just hope that you can piece your team together and keep having a good run of form. Right. You don't want to blow your load too early. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just the tip. Getting that that tip tip massage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, Mark asks a good question. When it comes to team structure, are price points as dead as the old school fuddy-duddy FPL pundits who are set in their ways and resistant to change? Or does going big at the back tie up too much money in defense and leave your team too inflexible? Um, I think it's a great question, right? This kind of idea of... So for, for people that maybe are a little bit new to the game, for a long time in terms of structure, people used to say like, Okay, you need one premium price point player in the back, one premium price point player in the middle, or whatever, right? One premium price point, one mid price point, right? And there was this idea that there was like a, an optimal premium mid-range and low price structure to the game. I, I think that we have evolved a bit beyond that. And Jake, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think we've evolved a, a bit beyond that. I think managers now, because 
the metrics and the data is available to them are looking a lot more at the value that a player offers uh, and how that value fits into the overall structure of a team. Uh, so for me, we, and we've talked about this before, but for me, I like the idea of um, of maybe one or even or two captainable players. So these would be kind of your premium big hitter type players. Uh, and then the rest of your team is essentially focusing on value points per million is normally the price uh, that or the the metric that I look at, uh, and and there's a number of other metrics that explore kind of a similar a similar story to a, a player's uh, production, but but that's what I'm looking at as a player, and I do think that the idea of a price point is is kind of kind of done, right? Like it's kind of gone. Yeah, yeah, it's gone. Uh, I agree. Um, I do think that the interesting thing to consider that Mark kind of brings up, which probably some other questions about this too, but when you do the price point system in a way you're, you're making your team more balanced, which I think is, is a key thing to consider, but just shooting for like, say one premium, one, one mid priced or two mid priced and then one budget, that's just too rigid. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea. Well, let's talk about just flexibility. We don't have like a question on it, but it's a word that we hear a lot in FPL, right? This idea of flexibility. So for example, a lot of managers online are are taking this stance like, okay, you don't, okay, go ahead. Don't take a premium forward, but then if they go off, you're screwed, right? You'll never get to one, right? I, I don't think that that's true. So here's the thing. We've talked about this in the past, but I'm a huge advocate for saving transfers, right? So if you want to be a manager that goes with a quote, inflexible system, all you have to do is save one week, right? One week you have to not make a transfer and suddenly you can get to almost any player you want, right? So hypothetically, let's say you didn't go with Kane and Kane goes off at the beginning of the season and it's like, oh my God, I have to have him in my team. Most likely you have a premium somewhere else in your team that you can downgrade, that you can drop, and then use a second transfer to upgrade Kane. It's literally a case of in game week one, saving your transfer going into game week two, right? Or I mean, excuse me, in two going into three, right? And, and really, you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to make a transfer uh, because it, you're coming off a wild card, right? Like, essentially, because you're starting your season, you should be able to save a transfer right in the beginning of the year. So suddenly... You've gone from being a, quote, inflexible team to a flexible, like Jake after massage team. Yeah, which is good for everybody. But I will say this year's a little bit strange. I get what you're saying. But if you don't have a guy like Fardy, Firmino, Lacazette, or even Wilson at eight, like say you I've seen some people with like just some six point five priced forwards and I get it They're there definitely is probably going to be a lot of those players that provide value this year. So I get why you might want to have one or two of those players, but it would be pretty challenging if you say you go one premium, you go heavy at the back in your premiums, a midfielder, you're not going to want to get rid of that premium midfielder to get in a premium forward. That will make it more challenging. Um, you're probably going to get really stuck going with two budget midfielders then or two budget defenders, depending on how you structure your team. But if you start your season like that and you don't like it, you do have that early wild card. So I think if if you're going to be inflexible, it's the beginning of the year is not a bad time to do it. Um, and, and personally, 
we've talked about it. We wrote an article about it. Why not just wait on these premium Fords? Because there's really no evidence that, that has suggested over the last couple of years that they're worth it at their price range. That's true. You can check out that article on our, our website, divefpl.com. Jake wrote that, and it was a good little article. Um, okay, cool. I, I like that. I like that thought. Um, FPL Sausage wrote in, if we are aiming for roughly 2,500 points on the year, <laughs> that's pretty soft. Should we be benchmarking our points per million on the idea of 2,500 points divided by that 100 million, shooting for 25 points per million? Um, FPL Drunk wrote in, he said, you've got me thinking now, assuming your starting 11 costs 82.5 million, uh, 2,500 divided by 82.5 equals a target return of roughly 30 points per million spent. So a good return for Pulp, for example, would be 135 points. Salah would need to score 375, which is possible when you account for double captain points. He continues, per game week, you want to return approximately 0.8 per million spent per player. Okay, so a 4.5 defender or keeper should return an average of 3.6 points per game. A 6.5 striker such as King or Jota would need 5.2 points per game to provide good value. That's pretty interesting. I mean, I think that, you know, maybe we've we've simplified things a little bit, right? Because we know that week to week we're not going to get direct delivery from each player, right? It's not like a consistent tick along return. Obviously, we'd love that if we could if we could get it as managers, but we know that returns tend to come in uh in bunches. Uh, but again, right, we should chunk the season, right? Don't just look at one or two game weeks when you're looking at player performance. We need to look at performances of, of, you know, four to seven game weeks kind of to get an idea of returns. But Jake, what do you think about this idea of like determining kind of the value of a player uh, based off of that price per million? Yeah, I, I mean, I like it. I get it. But I agree with you. We're, it's too simplistic, um, when you when you consider the fact that you may have a game where you have like Jota on your bench, right? If he's like your backup forward and oh no, he scores a goal or gets an assist and gets you those five points. Like it doesn't matter if he's not starting. Um, so, so I mean, again, we're, we're trying to put together a team that gets the most points. Like this is a nice way to think about it. So like maybe when you look at it, you're like, well, maybe I am a little bit ridiculous for thinking that Pope or another 4.5 million keeper can get me 135 points. Or maybe I do think that's feasible if Pope starts for Burnley and right. plays every game. You know, that's not a it's not a bad way to handle it and I think it's a good way to like fit the structure of your team um, but I do think it's kind of simplifying it a little bit too much yeah and I don't you know I think it gives you an idea in terms of like a starting point right so mm-hmm. like is Pope at he's at 4.5 this year right yes. so if we look at if we look at goalkeepers last year that we're at 4.5 the top scoring goalkeeper that's in the game from last year uh was was matt ryan at 104 points right so by that metric we would say he he un, he didn't perform to the the level that we would need him to um, yeah but and there yet, were matt, i mean are you considering that some of the keepers last year that were priced at 4.5 are now priced higher are you thinking right of those and they players? have they have been okay. priced higher right so like if we look in even the 5.5 bracket though it's like so who would have started? Like Fabianski did, right? He started at 4.5, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so he'd be about the only one that would have hit that metric at 143 points. Yeah. And then Foster was close for Watford, I think. 129, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it gives you kind of like a benchmark, like a place to start or start looking at your team in terms of what you need. Um, you know, 30 points per million would be kind of reasonable if you're shooting for that 2,500 points. Um, I don't know, like, it's hard because we don't know where 2,500 points puts you at the end of the year, right? Um, you know, so for me, I finished last year just under 2,500 points and I finished at 1,169 overall. So, yeah, I mean, if I would have had 2,500 points, I would have been the top. 1,000 people in the world. So I think that, you know, that's kind of an interesting start. But the thing is, year to year, right, the points vary quite a bit. Um, so it's hard to know exactly, but it's an interesting starting point. So we can leave it at that. Uh, Patty wrote in, long-term strategy is always, one, never take point hits. Two, hold on to my chips as long as possible. Three, play sensible. Four, usually that's out the window immediately. I, I completely agree with Patty. Uh, but it brings me to a, another question, Jake, and we just got a couple more before a break here. But I think this is a huge question, and, um, and we'll have to take a couple minutes on it. The idea is, like, do you go with two premium captainable players, or do you only go with one? So we talked already a little bit about value and this idea of, of points per million and even price points right like like mark had brought up um and you had talked even you brought up this idea of like if you wildcard early how do you decide on team structure right how many premiums do you decide to go with so i think it's the biggest question this year is this idea of two premiums or one and for a lot of managers it's do i have sala and sterling or do i just have one of them and then go in another direction um you and I have spent some time talking about this. I know that you're kind of up in the air about it, but let's just, I want to hear your thoughts. You know, we've talked about it. Share it with the listeners. Okay. Yeah. Right now I'm currently leaning toward one premium. I think it needs to be a midfielder. That's a simple one to answer. The reason being is because if you look over the past few years, midfielders tend to score more points than forwards, which makes sense because they get more points for goals, one more point, and they get a point for a clean sheet. Um and they also tend to have like less blank games, I feel. Just, I, you know, I don't have stats to back that up, but I, I think they're there. Um, and that also kind of lends to more bonus points for most midfielders. Salah's kind of that ridiculous exception, but he, he kind of covers himself by the just the sheer amount of chances he gets. So I think you need to consider... You know, for sure, if you're just doing one premium, stick with the midfielder. Right now, I'm leaning toward one premium midfielder, and here's the reason why. When you try to do the whole thing like, um, oh my gosh, Sausage was writing in about trying to hit those 2,500 points. If you just consider your team, and you put like Salah and Sterling, and you say, hey... I can only captain one. You may get a few, a few more points because you're captaining Sterling when he plays bad teams and Salah when he plays bad teams. So that this is where I'm saying it's hard because you can't just simplify it straightforward. But it's really hard to hit those 2,500 points with the rest of your team just because of the sheer amount of value that those two players take, right? Like you're not yeah. going to have a lot of six mil defenders who, as we saw last year, created a ton of points, right? I mean, Van Dyke, Laporte, um, I guess Laporte was 5.5, I think, but uh, David Luiz um, and then Andrew Robertson all scored like pretty many points in the in the back for you. So it's just hard to create a solid all around team. 
And so to me, pros of just going with one premium, you have a more balanced team, easier to facilitate transfers. Long term, it just makes sense with one captain primarily. Like, yes, I'm probably not going to captain Salah away from home against Man City, but I'm sure I can find someone that week that might be worth captaining. Um, The cons to me are that... It's hard to switch up to the two premiums, which, as you described, it's it's doable. It just it takes a little bit of work and surgery on your team. The one thing that really has me challenged this year is because Man City has such a great start and Liverpool. So if you go with Sterling and no Salah or Mane, or if you go vice versa, I don't know. You, you could be behind the eight ball to start. That's the hard thing for me. FPL Queen just kind of asked a similar question. In your opinion, is it possible to have a good start only having one premium in midfield or strike row and using the money to elsewhere to make a stronger team? I think the answer is yes, but I think the asterisk next to that answer is what you just said. If you let's say you just go with Salah, right? You decide Salah's my player. Because really what we're talking about here, Jake, is like do you go with Salah or Mane, right? One of the Liverpool mm-hmm. attackers in the premium. And then do you have Sterling? Yes or no, right? I mean, are we considering anything else or no? I mean, I think some teams are considering going with like Kane, Aubameyang, or Aguero as their other premium, which again, we both kind of are trying to tell people to stay away from. Uh, You know, I just, it worries me um, that those players, they're going to have to have a really good season, which possible, like don't get me wrong, I just think it's more improbable. Yeah, I'll say it now. I think Kane's going to have a good season. Uh, I just don't know that I can fit him into my team with kind of, you know, again, a maximum focus on value. I don't know that I can do that. But 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 I mean, we'll go, not to get too deep into it before. I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt you. But where's like the but stats you did, behind right? him? But you fucking did, Jake. You did. You did interrupt well, me. I, I did interrupt you. But but I guess I just don't see the argument because of all those three forwards, Kane actually seems the scariest on paper to say he's going to have a good season. I, you know, his he overachieved last year, um, you know, with his goal differential. He should have actually gotten less points. I get it. He's cheaper now, but he's also a year older. And like, who's to say that he has another good season like he's had in the past? Yeah, I, don't know. I, I mean, I just think it, I, it's just a gut feeling. I think that coming off the summer and him having a little break, I think that he'll be good this year. But this okay. is what I think. Okay. Whatever. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to the question. I think I, I do think it's the most it's the top question in terms of team structure this year. I wish I could say like, yeah, you, you should go this way. But I think instead what I'm going to say is all managers should should evaluate the options do I go with two or do I go with one? If I go with one, how am I going to redistribute those funds? Uh, my concern for me is I don't know how else to be into that city attack without Sterling. I, I don't I don't see Sané as the consistent starter again. Bernardo Silva is a, an incredible player, but his price has gone up, and I don't know that he's going to get enough points to warrant it. De Bruyne is likely going to be asked to play a slightly deeper role this year just because of the way the team is set up. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know yeah, how to Aguero, do it. Yeah, so. Aguero is just too expensive. I I do agree yeah. exactly with what you're saying. Yeah, which is why I kind of have two sets of teams: one with just Salah, and and to me, you know, I wish Mendy was healthy, but I'm leaning toward if I go that way, maybe just trying to do double, or maybe even at some points in the 
in the uh, season triple Man City backline as opposed to triple Liverpool backline and C. But like you could also make the argument maybe you do vice versa and you go triple pool backline and Sterling. But but yeah, I, I agree. It's like how else do you get into that team? But here's the other thought behind just going with Salah or Mane and just staying away from Sterling. You're not going to get the double points when you're captaining Salah, which most people are going to do when he plays Norwich, Norwich and Southampton right off the bat. Sterling's first two games are easier, or sorry, not easier. That you know they play at home Spurs, and then they also play away at West Ham, who sometimes plays good against the top six sides. So you're you're if you go with both, you really need Sterling to get multiple returns, like at least a goal and assist, in my opinion, because. You, you you have your choice of any other midfielder starting off. And like to me, like, okay, I'm going to put Frazier on my team. I think he can definitely get a goal or an assist in his first two games. Like, am, is like going with Sterling really that much more worth it? I don't know. Hmm. If you're not captaining him, I don't know. I mean, I get it over right. the long haul. Sterling will have some of those, those double goal, you know, games or, you know, two assists and a goal. But I, I'm more willing to take the risk that he doesn't do that in his first two, three game weeks. I think that's a safe bet to have. Now, it is scary. Uh, he got the season off, like you said, for Kane. There's no World Cup. He's probably the most well-rested. You know, they did, Europe didn't have a big tournament. England didn't have to be in a tournament this summer. So England players may be more rested than most, considering like AFCON and stuff like that. But I don't know. I just I I'm leaning toward one premium and it being Salah. Hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a serious question. I currently have both in my team, Salah and Sterling, and I just can't quite figure out which direction I'm going. But uh, okay, we got to take a short break, Jake. I know we have some more questions that we got to answer, and and we just got to take a break, and and we'll come back. Uh, when we do, we're going to cover some a little bit more specific questions um, and uh, from from listeners and from our Slack channel. It's going to be good. It's heavy. It's heavy, Jake. Are you feeling heavy yeah, right it's, now? It's deep, man. It's deep. How deep? J- not just the tip. Is it up in there, would you say? Yeah, it is. This is a tough pod. I mean, it's, man, There, there's a lot to it. A lot of meat. So much meat. You're used to it taking that much meat, though. You know what I'm saying? Mm, I don't know. I'm confused. You do, though. All right. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the second half of the pod. I've started my bourbon. Things are good. To start the second half of the pod, Jake, I think we should take this question in from Kenny, Kenny McDonald's. Uh, he says, and it's a similar question to kind of what we started off this section with, but I would like to ask if it's worth focusing on players with good fixtures the first three to four game weeks only to get off to a good start and have the wild card plan to go early if needed. I mean, I think we kind of hit on that, right? Like, it's not a strategy I'm necessarily down with. Are you? No, not this year. I just, I the teams that have good fixtures, I like, and I'm going to keep them for longer, hopefully. So I'm going to try to avoid wild carding. Yeah. Uh, Kenny did send in a Jake's Mistake song 
it's Jake's Mistakes. Uh, and people that are new to the pod probably don't know exactly what Jake's Mistakes are. So we do a section in the pod where Jake essentially shares all the things that he fucked up with in the game week. Normally, it's it's quite a few things. I mean, it's normally Jake misses, uh, you know, he swings and misses a, a number of times. Um, so sometimes we sing Jake's Mistakes songs. We've had a number of really good ones come in. So uh, Kenny wrote in a, a beautiful song um, from Cher, If I Could Turn Back Time. But here's the problem, Kenny. I don't know that song. I, I've never I've never heard the song. I don't. I tried to even listen to the song. I couldn't figure it out. I didn't know what was going on. Um, Jake, do you know this song, Turn Back Time, Cher? Gosh, you're so uncultured. No, I'm the same. I don't. I've never heard it. I watched the video too, and it was like not an easy one to do. Sorry, sorry, Kenny. I don't know Kenny, if it's an American I, thing. I don't know. Yeah, Kenny, I feel bad because like I tried to sing it. I couldn't even do it. I couldn't even. I couldn't figure the cadence of the song out. I'm sure this is how I sing. If I could turn back time, if I could find a way, I'd take back all those hits that hurt me. Something like that. I don't know. That's a pretty good share, though. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Yeah, your voice sounds like her. Yeah. Shut up, Jake. I know what you're trying to do with that comment. Thought it was a compliment, but whatever. It wasn't. To say anybody sounds like Cher is like the meanest thing you could say to them. Why? Isn't she like a really famous singer? Shut up, Jake. What, are you uh, crying uh, now? <laughs> no, I'm just laughing. Uh, Good. You know. All right. So. Let's get into this. We've got like, you know, we don't want the pod to run too long. So we kind of got to get into some questions here. Um, Marvin asks, how many players do you try to keep as the season keepers to limit transfers? I think it's a great question. So for me... In years past, I've kind of stuck with trying to keep, I don't know, like a core of maybe six or seven players that I try to just hang on to. Of course, nobody's like a guaranteed season season keeper, right? Like if there's injuries or they get moved out of the squad or whatever. But like in my mind, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm like, oh, can I get six or seven guys that aren't going to leave my team through the whole year? Uh, yeah. Completely agree. Frazier's on my team, even if Eddie Howe, that lying bastard, says he's injured. I don't even care. Yeah, that's reasonable. Uh, Frank wrote in, uh, all depends on on short-term player wildcard or plan to try to hold it into the season. Uh, I'm usually the former, so he's somebody that likes to to play that short-term wildcard. You know, he says, I guess he's kind of asking, right? Like, is that something we're planning to do? Again, a third question about this. No, Frank. We're not planning to do the early wild card. Uh, Rubber Ducky, after planning all preseason, if it doesn't start great, how many game weeks do you stay patient before panicking and changing that strategy or hitting the wild card? So I think that this is a good time to talk about this. So Jake and I have both now said, you know, no, we're not really planning to play that wild card. But it's a great question by Rubber Ducky. What happens if things, Jake, completely fall apart and like, our team sucks. Like, when do you decide? What's the threshold for I need to hit my wild card button? Yeah, you're actually probably the better one to ask this because you're more patient, if I'm just being completely honest. But I will yeah. say it kind of depends on the performance. Like, are your players just missing good chances? I mean, obviously, if that goes on for weeks after weeks after a week or, you know, then, then make the change. But... 
you don't want to just be making lateral moves. So that's one big rule to me. Um, Two is like, I think you said this in the past, like if you're just changing two or three guys, just wait, hold your transfers and just wait. Cause like the wild card's just so much more useful than that. So if you're overhauling like six or seven guys on your team, that's the time to do the wild card. Um, Those are the big ones. I don't know if you have anything else to add. No, for me, the wild card is saved for if you need to move roughly half your team. If you're not moving roughly half your team, you should not even be thinking about playing the wild card. So what happens to a lot of guys is the season starts. Let's say they, you know, they have an okay game week one, game week two is good, and then game week three sucks, and game week four sucks, and game week five is just okay. And suddenly they're looking at their OR and they're like, oh, there's like my friend who plays the game is a little bit in front of me. Oh, I need to wild card. I need to change out four guys on my team. That is an absolute waste of your wild card. It, you should not make a change for four, even five players. I think is pretty is a pretty small threshold. I would say when you start to get to six or seven, it starts to become legitimate. You know, roughly half your team needs to be switched in and out. Um, the thing is, if you just take a deep breath, bed your players in a little bit, pick the best captain that you can on your squad. Uh, and save a transfer suddenly you can make two changes or maybe even take a hit early in the season to kind of get your team sorted out and make three transfers in a week and get the team where you you know where you're comfortable with Um, I normally reserve my wild card for like let's say I look at my team I've got I've got a red card suspension I've got an injury I've got a guy that is now not playing and then I've got three or four more players that I don't really like now I'm looking to play my wild card so it's hard to give you a number, right? Like what the threshold is. But I think that Rubber Ducky uses a good word. He says panicking. I think that's what a lot of managers do. They freak out and they play the wild card button. And I think it's a mistake most of the time. Agreed. I did it, I did it last year. So yeah, don't be like me. Don't be like Jake. Yeah. Jake's mistakes. Uh, FPL Oakwell says, I've written off basically any mid or forward between six and five. They're basically shit. Uh, oh, sorry, shite. Uh, may as well drop to a 4.5 to allow for, uh, more quality in the side. What are your thoughts, Jake? Yeah, two big things for this. I do agree with FPL Oakwell. It does seem kind of like um, a, a cav- cavernous hole in this price See, range for both. Jake knows <laughs> all about cavernous holes. Yeah, definitely. Just the tip. Um for oh, midfield and forward, I you know, I would agree. I think every year you can find a midfielder in that price range, like one to two guys that are going to provide value. I don't know who they're going to be. Someone's probably lying if they say they do know who it's going to be. Um, but every year there's someone. But I do think the game was much better priced this year. And I, I do agree if you're going to like maybe just drop to a 4.5 midfielder who's going to play the caveat to this is with forward there are you know so six i think you can find good forwards less than six i agree with you but like ings and adams for southampton at six you know they're they're gonna be good i i think they're gonna be important to have on your team at certain points of the year less than that you can find forwards who play maybe at 5.5. Um, so that makes a big difference if you're just trying to have a guy come in off the bench. But 4.5, the guys probably aren't going to play at all. So you just have to know what your team looks like and who's coming off your bench. Hmm. Okay, Luke and Chris kind of have questions that I'm going to 
put together here, Jake, because they they kind of go together, right, in terms of team structure. So Luke says, I see many people start with five at the back and a premium goalkeeper. It's kind of a trend. It's kind of trending in FPL this season, but I reckon it's total madness. What do you think of that example? Ederson, VVD, TAA, Laporte, Dinge, Zinchenko. And then Bradley also says, every single one of my drafts is looking better with a premium striker. However, I feel that starting the season without a premium striker is too much of a risk as you lose uh, the flexibility of being able to quickly switch to one who starts the season while thoughts. So this idea, this is a common thought this year, right? Like heavy in the back, light in the front, you know, and then kind of deciding your premiums through the midfield. Uh, you know, personally, that's kind of what my team looks like right now. It's definitely what my team looked like all of last year. Of course, you know, there's there's always a chance, right, that strikers are just going to go crazy at some point. The issue is, for me, making sure that you're hitting that crazy point, right? Like finding the time of the year when those strikers are really going to be good. And sometimes it's a bit more unpredictable than we'd like to pretend. You know, I do see what Luke is saying, this idea of five at the back and a premium goalkeeper. It's a lot spending in the, of spending in the back. Uh, and I am concerned that it could backfire, especially because they've priced the defenders slightly higher this year. Last year, it was very clear and easy, right? It was, you want to have Rabo and TAA and VVD and, you know, Laporte and, and those guys. It made sense because their prices were a half mil or even a mil less than what they are this year, or even more than that, right? Like Trent came in at five for most of the year, uh, right? Was he at five? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think he started at five. <clears throat> yeah, so it's like, that's easy. But at seven, suddenly the points per million is vastly different looking. And so... That said, uh, I think that we've done a little research on it. It looks like the value is still there, uh, but but I do see the potential here for a bubble, if you will, in the back line. Yeah, I say read my articles because I'm I'm leaning heavy heavy in the back. I get what you're saying. They did raise the prices and defenders, but they also didn't really decrease the prices of the forwards. And you know, just think about it. The top scoring forward was Aubameyang at at 205 well you could have found two liverpool defenders that outscored that for less you know and they're still less you you know trent was very close at 185 for 5 million um and then you have man city who kept like 21 clean sheets like do we really think man city is like not going to keep those clean sheets they have the exact same team i mean yeah there's a chance they don't keep quite that many clean sheets are a little bit risky but I think the other part you alluded to briefly, you know when Man City is most likely going to get clean sheets, right? It's not when they're playing Liverpool. It's not when they're playing Spurs. You can kind of adjust your team as need be to like be like, okay, yeah, Spurs and Liverpool play, you know, maybe I don't start, I don't know, Van Dyke, But even then, you probably are going to just start him anyways. But like with the forwards, you don't know when they're going to score. So... If you're playing that forward and he's blanking for a couple times, you are wasting. It goes all the way back to uh, Sausage's part. You want your points per million to come out per game. Like, I think Kane blanked on five of his home games last year, seven of his home games, something like that. You don't even know when Kane's going to score. Could be any game. Could be away. Could be at home. It's hard to know. It's not coming home with that type of mentality. Right, Kane? I'm just – I just – don't think it's worth having a premium forward like go with 
go with the 6.5 forward or like uh, go even with Wilson if you I don't know like where's the thoughts that Wilson drops off all of a sudden this year like why why is he gonna drop off I just don't understand the people who are like oh he's not gonna be that good this year I you know he missed something like six games or even eight games and he almost scored 170 points yeah, he I was just incredible last year. I yeah. don't get the argument. He's not priced that much more. He's priced at 8 mil. I can fit Wilson on my team when I don't have Kane, Aguero, or Aubameyang, but I can't fit him on my team if I go with those guys. Right. I just don't get it. <clears throat> Fuck. Me neither, Jake. Me neither. Me neither. Okay, Kenny yeah. wrote in, should you just stick the armband on Salah for the whole season and get double his points? Would that be more effective than the points you would get captain chasing so this is an interesting little strategy question are you better off just throwing the captain band on one player and just letting it sit there and then distributing your funds equally throughout the rest of the team you know i i see some level of like game theory to that the thing with fpl is it's such an explosive game points come in bunches and so personally i think that you're probably better off rotating that camp to, captain band at least somewhat for the majority of the the season Salah's probably worth throwing the captain band on uh but as i said it's a it's a game that scores in bunches players will score a ton of points in one game week or in in two game weeks or three game weeks in a row we need to try to get on those players when we can if we want to have the best or rank uh possible but that's just my two cents jake what are your thoughts on that one yeah, I got some stats to help you out, Kenny, and you can make your own decision. So, Salah, last year, and I mean, I know it's small sample size, don't get me wrong, but when he played against Big Six opposition, two goals and two assists. So, that's over 10 games, he had two goals and two assists. So, no, I'm not going to captain him when he's playing against Big Six sides, unless it's maybe like Arsenal or Man City, at, or excuse me, Arsenal or Man United at home. Then I might lean a little bit more toward let's see who else I have on my team at that time. Um, I just I agree with you. There's someone else on your team that you can probably find more value at, at those times. Um you know, we we just know Salah's not the type of player that has like really crazy outings against you know, bigger, stronger, faster players. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you. I, I think against the other top six teams, it's hard to justify a captainship there. Um, at least away from home. You can at least say away from right, home, I'm right. probably not going to do it. Right. Uh, okay, Steve asks, uh, Marco, and to a lesser extent, Jake, how long into the season should new signings and new players in the league be given to settle before they become a potential pick? For FPL, what signs should we be looking for that they are worthy of consideration? It's a great question from Steve because at this point in the year, everybody is just getting a gigantic boner to basically every single player that comes from an outside league that had, you know, a relatively successful season somewhere else, right? So people are like, oh, this guy's coming in and, and he had 14 goals in the Bundesliga, so now he's going to dominate the Premier League and I have to have him straight in, straight into my squad. I mean, Jake, there's some stats that came out, and actually, I believe that was Steve that shared that back. Yes, the question, and then I think he even shared it on our, our Slack channel. What There was a study recently, right? And what was the findings there? Yeah, the findings was it took an average of 18 games to settle. I mean, like, obviously, read the article. It's really great. Um, thank you for posting that. But I have a I have a beef with Steve. Why is it, to a lesser extent, Jake? Because well, you're an idiot. Question. 
Interesting. Did Steve pay for our Patreon, or is he just getting a free dig right there? Oh, oh, that's true. It could be a free dig. So, Steve, you owe Jake and me <laughs> Patreon money, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Caught you. <laughs> Uh, we'll be sending an invoice, Steve, an itemized invoice. Uh, you know, one dig on Jake, five dollars. Yeah, hilarious. That's Better be hilarious. careful. That one wasn't even that good. Ah, I mean, he, he, Jake, uh, come on, man. So, sorry. <laughs> Can you try not to like piss off the people that help basically run our Slack channel? No, Could I, you stop I do that? like Steve. It actually made me. It made me laugh. So I liked yeah. it. Yeah, you fucking loved it, right? Say that again. Yeah, I loved it. I like when Steve makes fun of me. Say, I, give it to me more, baby. Say that. No, uh, I, this is starting to get uncomfortable for me. Well, it's 2019, man. Get with the times. Uh, okay, so Garf wrote in, hey guys, seen a couple of first 11 teams with mainly or only players from Bournemouth, Liverpool, Everton, and City, plus some bench pot fodder. I think it's a bit short-sighted. I'd welcome your thoughts. Managers seem to be at sixes and sevens with their strategies this year. It's an English term, apparently. Jake, what does sixes and sevens mean? Do you know? I feel like it means uh, to be in confusion or something of the sort, but I guess I'm not 100% sure. I just assume every English term is like hypersexual. I don't know if that's fair or not, but that's what I assume. So like, so you oh read yeah, it as you'd like, put you right. I put my old six in or seven, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, like ah, oh, little six up in that seven there. Yeah, Dude, a lot of putting stuff up in on this pod. But I guess my question is, what part of England does? Why do you think that? Why do like, I think it? Yeah, why do you why do you always think that every English term has to do with like some sort of sexual connotation? I don't know because the English are literally like the least sexual group of people I can imagine. Oh, I always think it has something to do with like a chip sandwich. Now, can we bring that back? Oh yeah, yeah, they like that. They do like that. God, the English so, are a weird people. The Brits, they're strange. Yeah, where's FPL Jim? I miss him. Yeah, he's too good for us now. He's got his own pod, Jake. I know we said that last week, but it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Check out FPL Jim's pod, by the way. Good dude. Good little pod. Uh, Chap wrote in. Do you think OBS will be on pen duty after Laka took the last one against Real Madrid? Do you think it was just to ensure that Laka also scores in preseason? <laughs> Laka's pen was a bit fortunate as well. Uh, and then he follows up with a small three to four minute discussion on confirmed pen takers for various clubs would be great. Uh, I'll comment Ooh. on that right now, chap, trying to hijack our entire podcast, three to four minutes. Uh, it's really hard to say right now who is the pen taker. Um, Fantasy Football Scout does a little article like right before the season starts normally where they publish who they think are the uh, free kick and penalty kick takers. It's it's just really hard to know right now because a lot of squads are, are putting out preseason teams that are you know shorthanded or they're just playing 45 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever and so i i couldn't even really tell you who the pen takers are it's important to know that once the season's getting a little closer and normally now like most teams have two to three more uh preseason matches before the season starts 
we'll probably get a better idea who are taking those pens now going into these last few weeks before the season. So I wouldn't read too much into who the pen taker is at a specific club at the the moment here. I think we could do that next week though, maybe, or like, you know, our pod beforehand if, if we want, but I do agree that article is really helpful. So they're usually pretty, they're pretty spot on. If you know what I'm saying. What are you? What are you trying to say? Spot, uh, like you know, no, okay. Is this a penalty kick spot from the spot? Yeah, exactly. That's that was a fucking dumb joke. (laughs) I just I I thought it would be good. I don't know. It's fucking dumb. It's bad. It's a bad joke. Nobody's laughing. Literally, everyone at home is like they're upset. In fact, I, I would guess people are probably unsubscribing from the podcast right now, Jake. Oh. No, I feel really terrible. Uh, you should. You've ruined our podcast. Oh, God. Do you think our Patreons <laughs> are leaving us, too? <laughs> oh, God, says Jake. Oh, God, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> okay. Uh, Invictus wrote in, Marco and Jake, and what uh, in what biased players' costs are decided when... Oh, okay, so... Um, when players are transferred from another league, basically he's asking, like, how do they decide on the prices? It's a it's a long question, so I'm summarizing what Invictus wrote. But how do they decide on the prices? It's a good question. Um, I think – okay, here's just my two cents. In years past, I feel like FPL has just been, like, random price, throwing them into the league, have fun, everybody. Uh, but I think it's gotten a lot better in the last two years in terms of, you know, how does this specific player fit into the squad? How do they fit into the league overall? And how do they fit into managers' teams? And so they've tried to price more accordingly to make players, uh, what's the right word, attractive, I guess, for managers so that they would maybe Ugh. consider bringing them in. I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, it's. I don't know. I, I mean, I think they're trying to base it off previous stats, but there's – there's certainly not some sort of algorithm that they're using to do it, right, Jake? I mean, it, it seems like it's a, a bunch of guys in a room, right, that are like, okay, let's price him out at seven or let's price him out at eight, you know? Yeah, I imagine it's like Ebenezer Scrooge lately. They're, I mean, they're just being mean. Remember when like Sala was at nine and then he was the greatest player of all time? Why can't we have more of that? I think it. Yeah, I would argue that it would be fun if they would put some players that people would be willing to take a bit more of a risk on. Um, you know, like maybe you price somebody, you know, a bit more attractively, right? Like even a little bit lower. Like, yeah. hey, you should definitely buy this guy. I don't. There hasn't been a lot of that. I think a lot of guys have been really fairly priced, actually, uh, which to me makes it a little bit less fun. I, I wish that they would they would consider that, but. Well, I think fairly to almost overpriced, though. Like, you you take an example, look at Pulisic for Chelsea. He's the most expensive midfielder. Like, I get it. He's a good young player, but why is he half a mil more than Pedro or uh, Will I am? Like, I don't don't know. Doesn't even make sense. He hasn't even made it through a whole season. He's always injured. But That's true. He doesn't even play for the U.S. national team. No, he doesn't. (laughs) When he does, he's shit. Yeah, shite. Also, he came out on Twitter the other day and said he loved the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, God. That's a reason to hate a human being, just in general. Yeah, I don't know. Hard to like him, even though he's American. It really is. Yeah, I'm going to have a hard time with that. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Well, that's all the questions we have, Jake. A um, couple little things, you know, Twitter, at DiveFPL. We've got a ton of new followers this season, uh, so we're happy to have you on board. Instagram, The Art of the Dive, online, divefpl.com, or Facebook to check out our podcast. You can go on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, Overcast, Pocket Cast app, CastBox. Essentially, we're wherever podcasts are. We're trying to get on Spotify. We've had some trouble with that. Thanks a lot, Spotify kind of taking their time getting us involved the last question we have here jake is from bobby love why do you hate me so much i think that's directed at you jake why do you hate bobby love jake yeah because he said go raptors yeah yeah bobby love i i don't like bobby love because his name sounds like that of a porn star no, also a fair, you know, choice. I actually like Bobby Love. I'm just going to pretend that I don't like him. So hopefully he cut out after I made that really terrible penalty kick joke and he doesn't hear any of this. I thought you were going to say, I actually like male porn stars, so I don't dislike Bobby Love. He's a good dude. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say I dislike male porn stars just because, like, their profession's maybe, like, ethically questionable or morality. I don't know. Do what, hey man, do they're what just you're trying to at, make right? a living. Yeah, they're just yeah, trying to exactly. make a living. It's 2019. You know? 2019, bro. Uh, okay, hey, check out our Patreon if you can on our website, Twitter, uh, or on Patreon.com. Uh, and yeah, we'll have another podcast next week, kind of getting ready for the first game week of the season. I'm pretty excited. Hope everyone's enjoying Tinker Time. Jake, should we get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I'm Marco. And I'm Jake, and remember, you should dive.